that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And I marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Uh, the word of the Lord. Jesus speaks with the religiously confused, as we see in this conversation uh, with Nicodemus here. And at the beginning of the semester, you may be experiencing yourself all types of, of different uh, confusion, right? Various types of confusion. As you're maybe it's a new campus, at least a new semester, got a new set of classes. Um, you might experience a little bit of uh, locational confusion as you're walking around into the huge classroom building trying to figure out which particular floor and which particular room uh, your class is in. Um, maybe after class you kind of start walking towards your dorm only to realize that you don't live on campus this semester. You have an off-campus apartment and you're like, well, what am I going to do with my hour between class now? Like some of that confusion. Um, new people that you're meeting, trying to keep up with names, where people are from, who you've met, what they're like. Maybe you have new roommates and you're confused as to how you can figure out how you can get them to kind of do the dishes and, and clean up after themselves. It may come a few weeks down the road and it's coming. Um, maybe you're even confused as you're finding your way to, to RUF, right? You're out there you're like, all right, is this the right building? What building did they say? Is this the right hallway? Um, but, but you found your way here. We're excited. Um, but if you're, if you're like me, the last thing that you want anyone to realize about you is that you that you're a little bit bewildered and not sure of yourself. Um, you, you want you, you mean you come into the building going, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's here, you know, and you're kind of like, yeah, it's down this hallway somewhere, just kind of walking a little bit slow so you can figure it out, but, but no, I mean, I've got yet to see anybody out on campus with the campus map, like, all the way unfolded, you know, like, like that thing stays, like, in your room, and uh, you go look at it there, or you, like, stop and go to the bathroom, and you look at the campus map, you don't want, you don't even know that you're confused. Um, well, here in this passage, the Bible addresses uh, religious confusion. And I hope that many of you here tonight know that kind of confusion. Uh, seriously, I hope that, that many of you recognize uh, that you experience a, a level of religious uh, confusion. You've got questions about who God is. 
about whether God exists or not and what kind of things he does. Questions about other religions. How they fit with Christianity. Are they true and Christianity true? Is there, is there one way? How does, how does Jesus fit in with that? Questions about good people who never heard the gospel. People who believe other things than you, but they seem to be better people than you. How, how does that fit in with the, with the exclusive call of Christ? Questions about people who are hurting, people who are in pain, and God didn't seem to be doing anything about it. You may be confused because all the, the answers that you've always heard from Christianity just don't seem to deal with the realities of, of life as you experience it, life around you. Maybe, maybe you're confused because, there's, because you realize there's, there's lots of things out there, especially as you come to FSU. There's lots of things out there that are very appealing to you, things that you want to do, things that you have done, that are things that Scripture says you're not supposed to do. And now you're stuck with guilt, and a little bit of confusion of what you're supposed to do with that and what you really believe and how you're supposed to live. Um, good, in a sense. It's good if you recognize that confusion. Because here's what I want you to see. Jesus speaks with those who are religiously confused. Jesus is speaking with someone who's having those type of questions, who doesn't know uh, what he believes or what Christianity even is all about. And he shows his love, his concern, uh, his directness to answer that confusion. And he answers with himself. He answers by calling people uh, to himself uh, and to look to him in your confusion. So I want us just to kind of go through the passage and, uh, and see how Jesus talks with Nicodemus in the passage, how he, how he brings this out. So here's the first thing, uh, first thing I want you to see from the passage is that Jesus shows us that we're confused. Jesus actually exposes our religious confusion, if you will. Now, some of you may already be sitting here tonight kind of snuggly in your chair going like, well, I guess this, this should be helpful for some of those people in, uh, in RUF tonight. This is good. People like me who haven't figured out what they believe yet, you know, but, uh, but I, I, I'm not confused. I know what I think, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's some of you. Well, Nicodemus uh, didn't think he was confused either as you walk into this passage, Right? First thing that Jesus, that uh, Nicodemus says to Jesus, it's not a, it's not a question, it's a statement. It's not even just a statement. It's, it's Nicodemus's conclusion about Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. There's no confusion there. We know that you are a teacher come from God because no one could do the things you do unless God was was with him. But by the end, in verse uh, nine, you hear Nicodemus being, "How can this be?" And, uh, and in verse 10, Jesus is saying, you're the teacher of Israel that you don't understand. Um, Jesus is bringing out that confusion. Now, I like to think that I know a fair bit about a, a variety of different things. Um, I think a lot of different subjects are fascinating. Whatever your major is, I think it's fascinating. I'm not just like, I really do. I would like love to go to half the classes that y'all are in and not have to do any of the work. That's probably what y'all would like to do. Um, but if you've ever been around an expert in a particular area, then like when you talk about expert, you realize like that you really just don't know anything. Um, so, uh, so, so I love FSU football. I've loved FSU football for years. My wife and I went. Karen's in the back there. Thanks, Karen. I've got my wife's back there. Um, we went. To, we were here '96 to 2000. Uh, great years for FSU football. Love going to the games. Uh, love, love the football. But, but I've got friends who. 
love FSU football and know about FSU football on just a different level, right? I've got friends who can rattle off statistic after statistic from eras gone by in, in RUF, and they uh, talk about the different plays, or they remember specific plays from, like, seven years ago. You remember in the fourth quarter when there was three minutes left, and we were on the 20-yard line, and I'm like, I was at that game, but I, I'm not there with you, right? And all of a sudden, I realized, like, oh, like, I'm an idiot, and, uh, and when, I, when I go to the FSU football games, and I love it, I love being there, but actually at the FSU football games, I'm confused the whole time. I don't feel like I'm confused, but I don't know all this stuff like that. I love being there, but I actually, actually don't know what, uh, what all's going on. I don't know what plays they're running. Um, I want you to look at this passage and see, see Nicodemus' confusion. Because as he's there with Jesus, we see, uh, we see the things that he thinks are brought out for what they are. Uh, and, and all his, his confusion about it. And you start off, you have a little bit of a, a hint at it just from the beginning, right? Before Nicodemus even says anything, um, there's a Pharisee, one of the members of the, of the Pharisees is coming to talk to Jesus and coming by night, right? Like, like this is a little bit odd somehow. I mean, maybe if you're, if you're you know, in light of the rest of the scripture, you're thinking, wait, Pharisee going to Jesus by night, is this like an assassination attempt here, or what's going on? Um, but Nicodemus is kind of one thing by day, going along with the Pharisees and, and all they believe in their, uh, their um, untrust of Jesus and rejection of him. But he's coming, he's coming to Jesus by night to express something. So you can kind of tell he's confused, right? Or if, if you didn't want people to know that you were at FSU, if you were like here, but you didn't want all your friends back home to know that you were at, at Florida State, I see you're a little bit confused about what's going on in your life right now, right? He, he's trying to hide certain things here. <laughs> um, but really where it hits, uh, where it hits home is, um, is in Nicodemus' statement to Jesus. I mean, look, look at the statement uh, to Jesus in verse, uh, verse 2. It's a very nice statement, a uh, very thoughtful statement. He's even he's complimenting Jesus, right? What does he say? Rabbi, teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But here's what I want you to see. Uh, his confusion is a confusion about Jesus. It's a confusion about who Jesus is, and he's missing the whole picture. He's missing the central issue. Um, he doesn't have everything wrong that he says, but overall, he's missed it, if that's what he's saying to Jesus. <laughs> Um, it's not questions about uh, about random things like uh, like whether Adam and Eve had a you know had a belly button or not. Uh, you know that's that's not the things that, that stump in him. That's confusion about who Jesus is. Which I put this way. Here Nicodemus is talking to Jesus. Uh, here he is talking to God in the flesh. Here's Nicodemus uh, talking to his Savior who would bear the punishment for his guilt, his wrongs, and his sins on the cross to save him. Here's, here's the Messiah. Here's Nicodemus talking to the one who his whole religion and his life and, the, and his leading of religion is built around a hope in this person who Genesis all the way through the rest of the Bible has proclaimed this person. And Jesus is there and Nicodemus is there in his presence. And what he says to him is, Jesus, you know, I know people think a lot of different things about you, and I've been kind of skeptical myself, but as a religious leader, I want you to know that I think you're a decent teacher. I really, I really think you're all right, and I give you my, my mark of, of kind of approval. I don't want anyone, anyone else to know it yet, but, but you're, you're all right. He's standing in the presence of the Savior. 
He should be falling down, be worshiping him, saying, Lord, lead me. Where, where should I go? How do I follow you? Um, Nicodemus is confused about what Christianity is about, about who Jesus is. And I think that's a confusion that, that we're real familiar with, right? That I think is, is real common, extremely common. Seriously, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone badmouth Jesus. I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. But I mean, when do you hear people say, like, Jesus is such an idiot? You know, like, if you, if you are always saying good things about Jesus. <clears throat> and it's always, you know, Jesus was a wise moral teacher. It's really a lot of things that you should listen to there. Um, Jesus was an example of true spirituality to, it, to us. He was a great liberator of the oppressed or all kinds of different things. Even people from, from other religions, even people who would say they don't believe uh, what the Bible says are still going to say good things about Jesus. We're, but we're confused about who he is. We're not following him, worshiping him, seeking to obey him. Uh, and Jesus' answer exposes this confusion. He's bringing that confusion out to us. He says to, second says to Nicodemus, all right, here's the deal. This is, this is what really matters. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one is, is born from above, it's, it, can be kind of, it means both things, um, unless one is born again, he cannot, cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, now, that's not the answer that I expect from Jesus. I mean, if I was, oh, Jesus, I would have been like, thank you, Nicodemus. Like, finally, someone gives me a little bit of respect, a little bit of approval. You're right, I am from God. and do have a great teacher. I'm actually much more than a great teacher, and let me show you why I'm here and what all it means uh, for me to be here. But Jesus goes a different direction, right? Unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. What's he talking about? He's talking about what it means to be part of, of his mission. Talk about what it means to be part of God's saving reign that God is working through Christ. Essentially, he's saying uh, to Jesus, I mean, saying to, uh, to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you don't get what God's doing. You're right here, you're seeing it, but you don't get what God's doing if that's how you see me. You're not experiencing God's saving power and, and, and reign. In a sense, he says it generally, uh, but to Nicodemus, the, the, the import of it is you may be a religious ruler, uh, but you don't even know God. You don't even know his promises when you see them fulfilled uh, before your eyes. Nicodemus, you're confused. He's bringing that out to him. First thing is Jesus shows us that we're confused. Um, but Jesus goes on, secondly, to show us why we're confused. Jesus isn't just kind of exposing our confusion so he can be like, See, I know everything, and y'all are idiots, you don't really get it, right? Um, Jesus, Jesus isn't interested in leaving anyone in their confusion, but in, in leading them out of it into clarity. And so to do so, what he has to do is, is show us the root of the problem. Why are we confused? What's the cause of our confusion? Where does it come from? And, and very simply, as you look in the passage, the crux of the issue is this. Uh, very simply, the crux of the issue is it's ability. It's who can do what. Who has the ability uh, to do what or what's possible? Um, the religious confusion uh, uh, about Jesus comes from being focused on our ability, what's possible for us to do. And the way out of uh, religious confusion comes from understanding God's ability and what's possible for him to do. The whole conversation, as you look at it uh, here, turns around the word can. 
You could translate it power or ability or possible or whatever. It turns around the word can. Nicodemus brings this up first, right, and what he says to, to Jesus. Um, he says, we know your teacher come from God, for no one can do these. No one has the ability to do the signs that you do unless God is with him. No one can do those things that you do. Jesus replies, uh, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is even more confused now. How can a man be born again when he's old? Can a man enter a second time into the womb? Jesus replies again, truly, unless someone is born from the Spirit, he cannot uh, enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus in verse 9, how can these things be? Whole passages around our ability, what's what's possible? Who's, Who's able to do what? Now, ability is important for for. Uh, a lot of things, right? Maybe most everything. What your ability is kind of matters. So when you're taking a class and you're looking over your syllabus, you're going, I do I have the ability to, to get done the things that are on here? Or am I just going to skip the reading and try to get someone else's notes? Or, um, but you're looking at what, what ability is there. You're thinking about your, your major, uh, your career, what you're going to do, and you're asking, uh, um, you're, if you're a meteorology major, you're asking, do I have the ability to do the high-level math that this requires? If you're um, uh, if you, or you're asking, do I have the, the creative energy to be able to produce, um, you know, uh, music things or creative writing or something? Um, you're, you're asking, what abilities do I have? How do they fit? Um, how do they fit in these things? So, and when it comes, it's almost football season, right? We've got, we've got a bunch of Seminoles in the room doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so the question right now is, is right, do we have the ability to get it done? Yeah, yeah, that's what I need to hear. Come on, yeah. Um, who can touch the t- who can cast the touchdown? Who can who can run it through the line? Who's going to be able to throw it in there when we need it? Who's going to make the the clutch play? Um, so all right, football now, Kansas. Um, once we start talking about football, and people are just sat there, everyone else is like, Miami, it's going to be awesome. What's it going to be like? How's our football team going to go? All right, ability matters. Transition uh, to us. Uh, if it matters in those things, how much more does it matter when it comes to spiritual things? When it's life or death? When it's, when it's eternal things in heaven and hell hang in the balance? It's even more important. Well, and the difference between true Christianity and everything else is this. It comes down to ability. Every other religion, uh, at least that I'm aware of, focuses on, on our ability. About some sort of things that you're supposed to do. Certain types of deeds. Or maybe it's, maybe it's meditation. Uh, but some form of things that we're called to do that ends up being works. It's about our ability. And true Christianity is about God's ability over ours. That trumps ours. It's about God's ability. It's about His grace. His gift to those who are undeserving, aren't able to do for themselves, that he gives, that he fills up uh, with his love. And so long as we focus on our ability, the gospel never makes sense. So long as, as we're focused on what we're able to do, we just don't get the gospel. It doesn't make sense to us. We're confused. I'm confused a lot. Um, you'll know that more if you, if you get to know me about lots of things. Um, uh, and, and in fact, the gospel even becomes offensive if what we're concerned about is our ability. The gospel becomes something that we don't like to hear or wouldn't want to hear anyone mention anything, right? Uh, um, 
Obama knew what he was doing last year in the presidential campaign because he, he got elected, and he knew how to get people motivated with, with yes, we can, right? You got people like, yes, we can. They're like getting into every speech that he's given. Yes, we can. Um, and when we hear the gospel, if we're focused on our, on our own ability, the gospel feels like, no, we can't. It feels like, no, you can't. No, you can't uh, get it done. You can't do it. Some of you are consumed, some of us are consumed uh, with our own ability, with whether or not we're able to achieve our own standards or someone else's standards or what we're able to do. And maybe right now you're coming in, you know, new semester or first year here, and, uh, and you're just saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it right. You're being careful to do, to do everything right. You're not going to mess up in college. And you're going to do well in your classes. Um, you're not going to let yourself be pulled away by all the different temptations and doors that are open to you. You're, you're getting involved in a campus ministry. You're going to church. You're, you're reading your Bible. You're doing your, uh, your devotions. Or, uh, or maybe on a different side, you're, you're being careful to, to not be the judgmental religious hypocrite, um, but to be truly spiritual, to be, to be open and accepting of others, right? Um, it's not about your ability. It's not about your ability and, and you're confused. I'm confused. We're confused when we're thinking that it's that way because you know this and you're experienced. You're, you're focused on what you're able to do drives you down. And maybe it feels good at the start of the semester because you've got high expectations and goals and a few weeks into it, uh, you're, you're having a rough time. You're down. Things didn't go the way you let yourself down. Uh, things didn't go the way that you, you thought they were going to. And you don't know what to do with your guilt. You don't know what to do with the fact that you, that you didn't rise to that level. Or, or maybe some of you are like, that's never happened to me. <laughs> you, get, you set the goals out there and, and you get there. You, you make it happen. Um, but when you feel the success of achievement, um, your focus on your ability turns you into a self-righteous, prideful jerk. And you won't think of yourself that way, but if you're brave, ask your friends. And uh, they, might, they might tell you. Um, but it kills you to hear that you don't have the ability. It kills us ought to hear that. Romans 3, here's what the Bible says. No one seeks after God. Man, forget the whole rest of everything, like good moral living or whatever. No one even, no one even looks for God. No one seeks for God. No one wants to hear about God. I was going to say, no one does good. No, no not even one. Focus on our ability is going to lead us nowhere. We don't, we don't have the ability. The sense of what you tell us that we, that we can't do it. I, you know, I don't care if you spend 30 years on the, uh, meditating on a, on a Tibetan mountain somewhere, or you join a monastery, or you uh, go to seminary, or you do uh, whatever, you never miss a day of devotion like 10 times a day. Um, can't do enough. You're not there. And it kills you to feel like you don't have the ability. It kills you to feel like you don't have control over. Uh, Nicodemus in this passage is confused. He's confused, and you, you look at it. Why is he confused? He doesn't know any other way to think about these things other than a focus on his own ability. He doesn't get what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling to him uh, fairly straight out, and Nicodemus is like, that way of thinking just doesn't even come in there. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. I, th- I thought I heard a little bit of chuckle as we started reading it. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny when you hear... Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And I see the kingdom of heaven, and Nicodemus is like, all right, how can I do that? Right? Like, 
Um, you know, he, and he really kind of misses the whole spiritual meaning of what Jesus is saying. He thinks he's talking about physical birth. So, so he, I mean, I'm not saying this is an honest question from Nicodemus, but the only way he knows how to think about it is like, all right, can, it, can an adult, like, enter the, the birth canal again? Like, like, what's going on here, right? That's how confused Nicodemus is. Because he thinks it's all about his ability. But, but how, can, how can I do that? How can I cause that to happen? How can that be within my ability? What do I do uh, to make that happen in Jesus? It's confused. Um, it's like you can't control your physical birth. Um, you, know, you, you didn't make that happen. Uh, you can't control your spiritual birth. Or Jesus puts it this way. You can't control the wind. You can't control the spirit. Um, Nicodemus is confused. How can these things be? This just doesn't make any sense. Like, if that's the case, then he, Nicodemus is realizing it's the root of the problem. The whole root's exposed. He's like, I don't know how I even get it, man. What are you talking about? Listen, this is, this is me every day. This is my confusion every day. Uh, but I think, I think ministry, right? Not just rest of life. I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, so I can make it even worse. I think ministry is about my ability. About what I can do. How many of y'all that I can, I can get to be here? I can talk to you, make you feel like you're, you know, great, or have some spirit, good spiritual kind. That it's about what I do, um, or fruit that, that I can get to come out of you some way. I don't have that ability. Um, but that's my confusion, and and that's how I don't believe the gospel all the time. This is us. We're confused. We don't understand the gospel, and. Jesus is pointing out, this passage is pointing out to us that the reason that we're con- the reason we're confused is we think it's about whether or not we can do it, not a, not realizing it's whether or not God can do it. And when we see God's ability, that's where the hope is. That's where our confidence is and the joy of what God has done for us. That's when the gospel becomes good news for us. Now, at this point, you may be feeling like more confused than you were when we first kind of opened up John 3, and you're like, great, good passage with Nicodemus or, or something. Maybe, maybe you're feeling more confused. Maybe you're feeling like the, the rug's been pulled out from under you, um, like you're just hanging there. That's where, uh, that was Nicodemus, right? He starts, we know, we know who you are, Jesus, but he ends up, how can these things be? Um, but Jesus doesn't just... Uh, doesn't just expose the confusion to its root, uh, but he answers it. He's leading us out of that confusion. He answers it with hope and joy and salvation. Jesus shows us how he is the answer to our questions, to our confusions, to our need. Uh, and that's what he tells uh, Nicodemus about in the last few verses. Um, the law in Jesus references this uh, earlier on in Scripture, Numbers 21, that been a long time ago, um, after God had brought his people out of Egypt, but before he brought his people into the promised land, uh, one of many times when they got upset, uh, they got impatient, they were hungry. They were thirsty. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any water. They didn't have the ability to make those things different, and they didn't believe that God did either. And they said, we're going to die in the wilderness because God brought us up here, brought us out here, we have, have, have nothing. And they're, they're upset with God. Well, uh, what happens is God goes on to, uh, to punish them. He sends, uh, he sends snakes to bite them. A fiery serpent, it says in number 21. Fiery serpents all through the camp, and people are getting, getting bit. Deadly poisonous snakes. People start to die. 
And they come uh, to Moses and before God are saying, we've sinned. We've done wrong. Save us. Please take the, state, take the snakes away. And God hears, uh, hears their prayer and Moses' intercession for them. But instead of taking the, taking the snake away, this is what he does. Uh, he tells Moses to go and make a, uh, a bronze serpent, uh, some kind of metal snake, right? To fasten this metal snake and put it on a pole and raise the pole high so that everyone can see it. And then everyone, if they get bit by a snake, all they have to do is look at the snake itself, the metal snake on the pole, and they're healed. And they live. Now, there's nothing magical about the pole or about the snake that makes that happen, but what is it? They're looking to God's ability to save. Not anything that they're, they're doing or what they can produce, but they look to what God has set up, to his sign, and they see that they live because of it. Their faith is renewed and seeing God's uh, salvation for us. And, and Jesus says here, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus says, just like the snake, uh, he will be lifted up. And whoever looks to him, I will have life, even eternal life. And listen, it's just as easy as looking at a metal snake. Looking to Christ in our confusion is just as easy as being, uh, as looking up to a metal snake and, and trusting in God from that. And as we, as we look to Jesus, he brings us out of our religious confusion and has to focus on his ability, on who he is for us, on how he has died for us. So we look to Jesus, he brings us uh, into his kingdom of God's saving reign, into life and salvation, into, into God the Father's love for us as his children. And him seeing us as righteous and obedient and exactly as, as having done what he desires of us. Because that's what Christ has done for us. And he stands as our substitute. Christ was lifted up in death on the cross. And that's where we see, much better than a metal snake on a pole, much, that's where we see God's ability to save. And he hung up on that pole as guilty for the things that we've done. He, he hung as, as guilty on that pole for my pride, um, for our selfishness, uh, for all our attempts at success and depending on our own abilities, for all of our failures along with it and all of our mistakes, all the people that we haven't loved and all the time we haven't cared about God and done things against Him. Jesus bore the punishment of it. He bore the consequences of our mistake. And He had the ability to endure it so that in Him... There's no more condemnation for sin, like we were saying. There's no more uh, guilt for us to experience before God as we rest in Christ. It has been wiped away. God sees us as clean, and not only clean, but righteous. Because Jesus has fulfilled uh, what God desires. Had the ability to endure death, and deal with its consequences, and deal with sin, and the ability to rise from the dead to life again. Uh, so that in Him we have hope and confidence of life, eternal life and joy and salvation through Him. This is what Jesus has done for us. And He calls us to look at Him, uh, to look to Him and to, to be saved, to have eternal life. Now, maybe as you think about that, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it still doesn't make a lot of sense to you. Um, this is the answer. Jesus says that He's the answer, but... But I'll admit, if I, was, if I was an Israelite and there was a snake up on a metal pole and I'd just been bitten by a snake, 
It wouldn't make a lot of sense to me why I should look at a metal snake on a pole. Except God is able to save. God is the one who says, this is what I'll do. And he's promised it. And that's reason to trust in him. Jesus says here, I mean, anybody been to heaven? Anybody know how this stuff works? You kind of been up there, had a conversation with God, you're like, what do I need to do? Um, now Jesus says, no one's ever ascended up into heaven. No one knows the mind of God in other places. Uh, no one's ascended into heaven except the one who's come down from heaven, the Son of Man, Jesus. Um, he's qualified to tell us what God desires of us, what God is able to do, what he is doing for us in Christ. Jesus says he's the answer for us. He's the one lifted up that we would look to him and, and be uh, no life, no acceptance from the Father, no joy. But Jesus is the answer to our confusion. Jesus takes time to speak with Nicodemus. Go through this conversation. I don't know how late at night it was. Kidding. Jesus speaks with the religiously confused. Jesus speaks to you. And he calls you uh, to himself. So if you're, if you're here and you recognize, you recognize your confusion, great. Great. That's a, if you recognize that you don't understand, you recognize uh, that there's plenty of ways where you don't live out of that knowledge, great. Jesus is exposing that confusion. If you, uh, even more, if you recognize why you're confused, even better. If you recognize that your heart wants to trust in you, and what you're able to do, and your ability, and what you can put before God, uh, great. Jesus is exposing the root of our problem, and it's not our ability, and it's calling us to look to God's ability and where we have hope that God can do all things. Jesus calls you to him as the answer, uh, to look at what he has done, how he has done what we could never uh, do for ourselves, to reconcile us to God, to cause God to love us. He makes God love us because we are seen with his perfect obedience. We are in him. We are his children. And God loves us and is passionate for us, will provide for us and do uh, what we need, will provide what we need. Um, if you're still not sure about the answer, I don't think Nicodemus got it either. Right? I mean, the passage doesn't show us anything about Nicodemus. Kind of, I mean, you kind of think, someone's going to come out of the conversation with Jesus like, yeah, all right, now, now I got this thing down. This is the right guy for me to talk to. Nicodemus seems to still be confused. Last thing we hear him say is, how can these things be? We do get to see Nicodemus one more time in Scripture. Um, over at the, uh, over as uh, John 19, uh, Jesus' death, seems that Nicodemus saw Jesus lifted up on the cross. In John 19:39, it says, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, uh, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Um, I don't know if by that point Nicodemus had gotten it, uh, but I'm sure that, Jesus, that Nicodemus also heard about Jesus' resurrection. And I would expect that then it would finally uh, make sense to him who Jesus is, who this is that has not only died, but then victorious over death. And he is the Messiah. Listen, this passage speaks of, like, we're kind of focused on the ability, the passage speaks of God's ability and the beautiful things that God can do. The beautiful things that God can do with us, that God can do in us, that he does uh, do. 
Listen, in, in my experience, uh, the most amazing event that, that I've ever seen happen, and the thing most worth celebrating of anything, uh, is, is the birth of a child. Uh, the birth of my child. And you don't know this yet because you don't have kids, but one day you're going to have, have kids, and, and there's nothing else like it. Um, there's, it blew my mind. Here was a, here was a new life uh, that come from my wife and, and I and our love for one another. And here's this new life that God's brought, uh, brought into the world. Um, <clears throat> uh, God can bring new spiritual birth. God brings new spiritual birth in, in anybody that he desires that we celebrate, that we rejoice in. Uh, that we don't have that ability, but the Spirit does. And Jesus gives, uh, John 3 goes on to say, Jesus gives the Spirit uh, without measure to us. That's Jesus' love for us, that Jesus is able to make us new, uh, to make us alive, to make us free, to make us be able to experience joy, uh, to know who He is and know the Father's love. So we look to Jesus to save us, Jesus to give us life, Jesus to constantly encourage us in our confusion.